Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome, welcome to the end of week three of the NFL. All you dirty old nasty brainiacs, it is your host Slapdog, and it is Monday's show. So of course, I'm not alone. I'm here today with Alan Casanova Castro and Scotty Del Rey. Gentlemen, welcome to the end of week three. It's nice to see your beautiful faces. Congratulations to the both of you for being able to be on this show with me and hear my voice. Mm. How are we doing? How's week three? Is, is week three fair and well for you guys? As Chiefs fans, you got to be a little happy. Yeah, definitely happy. I mean, it's the outcome I think most Chiefs fans expected optimistically. Uh, but yes, happy to actually see it on the scoreboard. Sure, sure. Understandable was, for sure. I was more happy to see Taylor. That's it. Uh, we'll talk about that, of course. Disgusting. Um, today's episode is, of course, a week three recap. So we're going to kind of go over some of the games, some of the fantasy and NFL implications of, of the uh, the more important games, rather. Um, we have our MVP of the week, of course, our studs and duds, some injury concerns, and then we got to wrap it up with the waiver wire targets because we're playing fantasy football, and that's really, really important. So without further ado, let's talk about our MVP of the week. We actually have two, gentlemen. We have two oh. MVPs of the week. It is both... Raheem Moster and Devin A. Chan. A. Chan. A, re- a report came out today that uh, he, we've been pronouncing it wrong, supposedly. Um, he, He's after wrong. he, yeah. I think he is. He's wrong. A. Chan sounds way cooler than A. Chan. Yeah. That's a, that's a swing and a miss by his part. He I think, get a PR team. I, I think based on his pronunciation of his own name, we might consider benching him next week just because that doesn't feel mm-hmm. like he's making great decisions. And I don't know if I can trust him to hit the right hole in, you know, on that offensive line if he can't even pronounce his own freaking name correctly. So, yeah, he's yeah, really going down a dangerous path because next thing you know, he's changing his last name to Chosen, you know, after one big game. And, you know, we, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's hey, a leave, bad start. You leave Chosen Anderson alone, okay? What a what a what a guy! All right, um, these two guys MVPs of the week very obviously uh, tore it up for fantasy football. I think together they had ninety six and a half points. And if you don't know, they they play for the same team, uh, so they did very well. Congratulations to both Rohim Mostert and Devin A. Chan for uh, MVPs of the week for fantasy for our uh, our Leather Brains MVP. So congrats, boys! Suds and duds. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's bring it on. Alan, who's your stud of the week, my friend? Uh, stud of the week, uh, he's trending. The, he's trending, and I think with we'll get to some injuries in a second. He'll continue to trend. That's Keenan Allen. Um, had over 200 yards receiving. He threw for a touchdown, which is also interesting. Uh, it was a sweet play. I don't know if you missed it. It was kind of like a throwback, and he chucked it deep. Um, so he is my stud of the week. Okay. Yeah. Keenan Allen's fire. I, he, I, we can't argue that at all. Scotty, who's your stud of the week, buddy? Oh, mine uh, plays for the same team. Mr. Justin Herbert threw for over 400 yards. Uh, he, the big criticism for Justin Herbert is that he hasn't really won these big games. And I considered this a pretty big game considering this was two zero and two teams. We know the history of teams that go zero and three, they typically don't do well. So this was like a big game for him and he showed up and showed out, got the job done. So Justin Herbert, wins my stud of the week. 
My start of the week is a running back that I don't know if we can count on a whole lot longer. And his name is Zach Moss, running back for the Colts. He, he's been great, man. He has been great over the last two weeks. He put up 22 and a half fantasy points this week. He had 30 touches. Absolutely insane. He had 122 yards rushing. He had a touchdown through the air. And uh, he looked absolutely incredible. So Zach Moss gets my stud of the week. He is a must play until Jonathan Taylor comes back. But that's really where we're going to have some issues is when John Taylor comes back. This could look a little bit different if if when. I do think, though, this is a good outlook for when JT does come back. If they're using him or they're featuring the running back that much, I think he's going to come in and just his usage rates are going to be through the roof. It's going to be insane. So I'm excited for JT's return. I think we all are. Well, then that's an interesting point because obviously there's very, uh, very likely not going to ever be a long-term deal with JT. So it kind of puts him in that you might as well use him as much as humanly possible if he decides to play. And I think that's going to make him a ridiculous fantasy asset if they just want to run him into the ground. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'm really curious to see is like, I think the output of what this team was going to look like at the start of the season versus where it's at now is you're like, the Colts aren't bad, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, but at the, at the I think at the beginning of the year, all of us, myself at the very least, thought that the Colts weren't going to be very good. So I was like, this team's not going to do great. Why is Jonathan Taylor going to want to spend his time here? Why is he going to want to to sign with them? And obviously, they don't want to sign with him. So there's that all that drama, but. Why doesn't he just pack bags and move on? And then you see this Colts offense the first couple weeks, and you're like, this team is certainly a lot better than a lot of people realize with Anthony Richardson back there. It's actually going to be a pretty good team, I think. I think so, Is there a potential to be re-signs? Or do you think that the bridges burn and there is no way to get back? No. I think think with Irsay obviously saying probably something racist to him behind the scenes is what I'm (laughs) gathering. Like, I don't think there's any chance he's going to sign... I do think, though, if you are holding on to Zach Moss, if you're in a league where somebody's not paying attention, maybe target a trade and try to shell off Zach Moss to get something interesting in return if you are maybe sitting on JT. Um, mm-hmm. so I think if you can might pull a fast one on somebody if they're not paying attention or know or listening to this podcast, which gives you a leg up. Did, did you guys see the the whale update for when Jim Irsay, you know was obviously no, all over? We got one. Well, so there, he obviously got a bunch of negative press, and then he decided to try and save a, a whale by flying it across the country, which I'm not convinced is actually possible. Like, putting a whale in an airplane just doesn't seem like a real thing. But then it died, and uh, oh. yeah, so the whale died. <laughs> and then Jim Ursay flew the ashes to the oh ocean, and the ashes weighed 300 pounds. This <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Are you serious? Are you being serious that's, right now? Well, that's what I read. So no, I, you the know, whale part is 100 percent serious. The no, I know, but the ashes, serious. the ashes part. He flew the ashes. That's what he I read. dumped. So he I dumped the, the whale's dead ashes body on top of all of his family. That's how he said okay. goodbye. Okay. <laughs> what's even crazier? Where in the world can you? burn a full-size whale and get his ashes there's a lot about this story that doesn't add up because i don't think you can fly a fly a whale in a plane and then on top of that where like is there a cremation spot for that's what i'm saying like is there a a cremation place big enough to shove a whale in okay also hold on anytime i fly i get shit if my bag's over 50 pounds but this whale is just (laughs) cruising back and forth across the united states with no issues was he on like business class Maybe like, if where you died, was this they would whale? Give 
they wouldn't give you shit. True. I don't you know. I'm not buying that. I, but you know what? I will buy. Uh, I think John Taylor does come back. I think he will yep. come back for this team, at least so for too. this season. Um, and I agree with you, Alan. I think if you could sell Zach Moss, I'd probably do it right now to the taco of your league that's not really aware of the full extent of the situation and just sees that guy put up 20 points the last two weeks. If you can do that, I'd be doing it because John Taylor is going to be coming back very soon. So, uh, But Zach Moss, he was my stud of the week. So that is our studs. Unfortunately, let's flip the other side of the coin and look at our duds. Scotty, your dud of the week. Yeah, my dud's been a dud for a minute, and it's Josh Jacobs. In spite of the fact of the dream workload that he's getting, he just can't make anything happen. Up until this week, he was averaging like 1.6 yards per carry. He did up that after this week because he averaged a little over three yards per carry, but still 17 touches and I think eight fantasy points to show for it. It's just, uh, you know, you want to say there's a better better results ahead for Josh Jacobs, but it seems like this Raiders team is bad enough that they're just not getting the space that he needs to be productive. You I did have a bust. a bust. Well, it's too early to tell he's a bust, but I certainly strayed away from him for for a lot of reasons in the offseason, primarily because uh, I thought that uh, Zamir White was going to carve out a pretty big role for himself. And that doesn't necessarily seem to be happening. But still, you don't typically have the same running back top the charts two years in a row. Usually there's something that goes wrong, some change in the offense and something is different about Josh Jacobs so far. It smells like Jimmy G. Jim. Sorry. It smells it smells like Jim. I have a, a stat for you that I saw. I don't know if it's true, but I'm saying it out loud and we're live. We're so talking about true. whales. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We can say whatever the fuck we want right now. Um yeah. since Josh Jacobs changed his jersey to eight, he has not had a carry over eight yards. Mm. Tough look. That's <laughs> that's karma. I mean He's that's karma. His jersey number to ninety nine. We need to redo it. <laughs> who's your uh, who's your dud of the week there, Alan? Uh, dud of the week uh, for me was Ryan Tannehill. Mm. He threw for a blistering, barely over 100 yards. I think he was sacked five times. Uh, I don't know if it's the line. I can't tell. Like it seems Miles like it's Garrett just. Yeah, they were getting eaten alive. Um, I also saw that they were shadowing two tight ends to try to like chip on Garrett the whole time. Like they kept moving him around and then it ended up getting him a penalty. Um, I, but I think honestly, like it's, uh, that was, it's bad. He's trending for me and not great compared to what this offense really needs. And yeah, a lot of issues right now on that team, but he is my dud of the week, Ryan Tannehill. Well, and I'll follow up with that. My dud of the week's Derrick Henry because where the hell was he? He mm-hmm. was absolutely atrocious. I think he finished his RB like 63 this year for or this week for fantasy. He put up two points. He was completely non-existent. Tajay Spears actually out-touched Derrick Henry, which is, you know, that the King Henry that we all know has not been that great this year so far. And so, yeah, it's it is a little alarming. He is my dud of the week. This whole Titans offense is really just abysmal and sad. And like you mentioned, if you haven't seen the video out there, they actually got a delay a game penalty because Miles Garrett just was running back and forth between the defensive tackles and just just to have these two tight ends follow him, so, so they funny. couldn't get set. So then they had to delay a game because he just he, he was doing it intentionally. Oh, Hilarious, God. running psyops on him. Yeah, well, maybe our dead of the week is the the Titans O line. Maybe that's what Perhaps. it was. <laughs> Perhaps so. I mean, it was bad. Like it, it was that great. game was just atrocious and well. And it'll, it'll, and maybe ahead, the co- maybe the coaching staff too, because Derrick Henry, I think he saw eleven carries. And if mm-hmm. you've got Derrick Henry on your team and he's not in a wheelchair, you need to give him like twenty five carries 
especially when you got Ryan Tannehill playing as bad as he is so far this season, like you need to feed Derrick Henry. And the fact that they didn't do that is just very alarming. And another Derrick Henry nugget, that game uh, allowed him to pass 1,800 carries in his career. And if you look at some analytics and the metrics, that is typically the cliff right around that 1800 mark is when you start to see those running backs kind of fall off because of age and injury and other things. He just passed it. So keep an eye on it. If you're a no, superstitious I, it's a, person, it's a valid argument. I I've been saying, I don't really want to touch Derrick Henry in any fantasy leagues this year for that same reason. And I didn't want to do it last year and last year he was fine. And, but eventually it's going to catch up to him. He's 29 years old. His old line is horrible. The Browns defensive line is, well, they got miles Garrett. They, they're pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, it, it's a problem. So he he definitely wins my dud of the week. And and now we just briefly have to talk about some injuries. A couple things to note here. Ravens running back Gus Edwards. Oh, Gussie. He left to get checked for a concussion in the second half of Sunday's game versus the Colts. They believe, or that leaves the backfield to Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake. Those guys have been in league for a while. I, I didn't realize they were still in the league, to be honest with you. Um, Saints quarterback Derek Carr believed to have suffered an AC sprain in his throwing shoulder in Sunday's loss to the Packers expected to miss two to four weeks. So you know what that means, gentlemen, laser Jameis, baby, laser, laser Jameis, the time laser has come. It's about damn time. I love, I love me. J- Football is just better with, when, when Jameis Winston mm-hmm. is playing. So, uh, you know, we don't root for injury and we're obviously we're doing the injury updates, but I'm excited to see Jameis Winston come out there. Cause I, I just love it. You, you know what so, pisses me off about this really quick is that we're going to see more Taysom Hill, and I can't stand that guy. I just can't stand it. Every like every fourth play, he runs shots out there, and everybody's like so confused. They're like, it's a different quarterback. What the hell are they going to do? And it's like, <laughs> he's probably going to run straight ahead, I imagine. And he does. So like, and he does what well. the fuck are we doing? Yeah, and he gets five yards of carry, but it's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, I mean, every from a fantasy perspective, Taysom Hill is like a knife to the heart, but uh, – when it comes to just watching football, I love watching Taysom Hill run. I love it. Yeah, he's old and like they just haven't. They're like, hey, we just need somebody to go out there and make a play. And he's like, I'll do it, coach. Just put me in. Um, and then last last piece of news here and probably the biggest piece of injury news, of course, is uh, Chargers Mike Williams. He, uh, he tore his ACL and he's out for the season. So um, MRI has confirmed that today. Very unfortunate news. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the Chargers game. But um, pretty, pretty unfortunate. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points, more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right. Our Leather Brains game of the week. Let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. You guys voted on this, and I think it's probably 90% sympathy. 
but the uh, the game of the week is Dallas versus Arizona. The Cardinals win this game twenty eight to sixteen. Wow! Wow! Congrats! It's a miracle. Uh, uh, take your congrats. Your team can't even take. I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. This I was so here's the thing, boys. I was in Nashville this weekend. I was having a good time. Maybe too good of a time. I had a lot of drinks. I fell asleep for the the afternoon games. So I didn't watch any of this game. And then I woke out. up. I passed yeah, I, I passed out. I passed out. You passed uh, out. And then I woke up and I checked my phone and I saw that the Cardinals won. And I just got so angry because we can't even tank correctly. Nobody this this game I think it was plus 800 was was the Cardinals to win this game the Vegas line. So for me to open up my phone and see this you can imagine the shock that I felt when we beat the Cowboys who have had a a rock solid defense and the Cardinals have one of the worst offenses in the NFL. So obviously there is a couple things here Trayvon Diggs one of their star defensive players towards ACL and is out for the year. I'm not going to chalk this up to that being the only reason, but Dak Prescott's dog shit. I don't like Dak Prescott. I don't think he's a good quarterback. And I think this kind of is starting to, as the season continues to progress, I think you're going to see that more often is how bad Dak Prescott is. That is the narrative in this game because every other game this season for the Cowboys, they have been kept in the game because they have such a good defense, not because of Dak Prescott. So that's all I'm taking away from this. I, I don't know. The only other thing, and this is something that I'm currently mentally struggling with, and I'm curious as to what you guys think as people who aren't Cardinals fans. Does this potentially change the plans for Kyler Murray's return? I, I don't know if, you know, I have been saying tanking for Caleb. You can't tank in the NFL. You can, you can want to, but like players are still going to go out there and try and make plays, Right. Do you think now I was in the camp that you bench Kyler Murray all year? That's that is that was the camp that I was in because we were not we're not going to be good. I don't think this game is indicative of the fact that we're going to be good this year. But do you think that there's a chance that they might bring Kyler Murray back out this week or after, you know, if they win this game, obviously they did. And then a couple more down the stretch. Do you think they bring him back? I think if you start stringing together some wins, because the thing about the Cardinals, we said it from week one, is that they actually don't look as bad as everyone kind of expected. I mean, Josh Dobbs is nothing special, but he gets enough of the job done to make games competitive. And then obviously coming out and beating Dallas, which through week three was the Super Bowl favorite, uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. So if you start stringing together a couple wins, I think it's going to be difficult to not have your best players on the field. But the Cardinals stringing together a couple wins is still pretty up in the air, obviously. So we don't know how it's going to play out, but I think if they do, there's a chance. Yeah. I think this says more about the Cowboys. The nugget for me on this one outside of that was James Conner to me feels a little bit like matchup proof right now. I think the Cowboys might be the best defense they face all year outside of the, the 49ers, which those games they'll are obviously like, um, you could throw around wherever, but I, I think he's kind of matchup proof for me. I started him at the behest of a lot of, I saw advice out there, not from us on the Twitterverse saying bench him, bench him. But I think he's a guy. And I think you continue to start him. That was kind of my takeaway from this game was that if you have James Conner, if you drafted him, if you're sitting on him, I think he's, you think he's a workhorse moving forward. Yes. And I, I mean, I've been high on, on James Conner. Uh, 
even though this offense is not projected to be great. He is somebody who's a three down back. He gets a lot of work in the passing game. He has PPR value as well as he's just a good athlete. So yeah, he's one of those guys that I think he's almost matchup proof. So I tend to agree with you there. Hmm. So do you guys think that, uh, you know, Dallas obviously is feeling pretty bad about this, about this loss. They're playing the Patriots next week. Um, how much of an ass kicking do you think they plan on handing out to Mac Jones to, uh, redeem themselves from this loss? I think that defense is always going to be good. I really do. And like, I think losing digs is a huge blow for them, but they still got Michael Parsons. They still are a very top tier elite defense. I think if anything, you're going to watch it. This is going to be which offense can fuck up less. That's that's this. That's what this game's going to come to, because Mac Jones isn't a good quarterback. I don't think Dak Prescott is either. And Bill Belichick is a good defensive coach, so he's going to try and scheme up things to put a lot of pressure on Dak and make it difficult for him to play football, which it already is in a, on a regular day. So I think this is going to this game to me is which offense doesn't make them doesn't blunder and make mistakes as much as yeah. how I look. Next game here, San Francisco versus the Giants. 49ers win this game pretty, or pretty, pretty bad, actually. 30 to 12. They, they did a pretty damn good job. The only takeaway I have for this is Matt Breida was a bust. Scotty and I kind of told you that. He went four for 17. He saved his day with a touchdown. I'm not buying any stock of him. I don't think he's a spot start, um, even though the 49ers do have a very stout defense. Unless you're in desperation mode, I'm not playing Matt Breida. Uh, next game, Colts versus the Ravens. Colts win this one in overtime. OT, OT, baby. And you know what they say. There's not much love when you go OT. Colts win this game 22-19. to 19. Minshew mania. Minshew magic. Uncle Rico coming in and getting it done. Uh, the, the thing that I, I really took away from this game is, of course, Zach Moss. We already kind of talked about him, so I don't think we need to spend a lot more time on that. But like, like we mentioned earlier, he had 30 carries for 122 and a touchdown. This offensive line is good. The Colts are pretty damn good. When Jonathan Taylor comes back, he will be very good. Sell Zach Moss if you can. Other thing that I have to note here is Zay Flowers. He led the team in targets and receptions this week. And uh, I, for me, and I'm just curious to pick your brain before we move to the next game on this one, boys. We're kind of starting to see like a, a flavor of the week for Lamar Jackson as far as his pass catchers. Last week, it was it was Mark Andrews. He was the uh, the the winner of the target share. This week, it was, it was Zay Flowers. So... Obviously, you're going to start Mark Andrews if you got him, right? Because he's he is a top t- top tier tight end. He does have high upside every single week. You're not going to bench him for anybody else. But my question to you guys is: Is Zay Flowers a must start at this juncture? Is he is he surpassed flex consideration? Is he now in your starting lineup no matter what? I I think I'm keeping him in the flex spot, and the only way I'm benching him is if there is somebody whose matchup is just too juicy. I think Zay Zay Flowers, for me personally on my teams, is the default flex player unless there is something I can't pass up. And the reason is is just the upside. You see the upside with him, and you know there are going to be boom weeks, there are going to be lower weeks, depending on you know if Mark Andrews is getting all the uh, touches or if Lamar Jackson is running in for all the touchdowns, but. Ultimately, the upside is there with Zay Flowers. Uh, he obviously has the talent. He's obviously an integral part of the offense. You know, it's only a matter of time before he goes off for 150 yards and two touchdowns, right? He's you, you see him with that role in this offense. So for me, he's just the default flex player unless there's something I can't pass up. Okay. Uh, next game here is the Titans versus the Browns. Browns win this game 27-3. to Very... Very good lead, very good win for them uh, without Nick Chubb. I mean, he uh, he's obviously he's hurt. 
Um, there's a couple things here. Deshaun Watson, he did pretty damn well, to be honest with you. He went 27 for 33, 81% completion rate. He he did wonderful. He, he kind of looked like Deshaun Watson of old. If you have Amari Cooper, this is a PSA. I'm so sorry that that ref is a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I feel for you. Amari Cooper caught the ball. Was The ref was standing right at the point of the catch. Right next to Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper caught the ball, turned, was running down the field, and then he got a whistle that he was out of bounds. You look at the replay, he's like three yards away from the out of bounds. So that ref probably needs to get reprimanded. I want the head ref to take him out in the middle of the field at halftime, take his belt off, and give him a couple spankings for how terrible of a call that was. And I am so sorry for Amari Cooper owners that had to uh, go through that because you were robbed of a touchdown. So I think Amari Cooper is obviously you're going to play him on a weekly basis. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And specifically that play. Aren't refs supposed to eat the whistle at all times now? Like fumbles, close plays. Like aren't they taught like replay can fix it if you blow it, like eat the whistle? So I thought right. it, that's what doomed that play was just they blew the whistle, which was a total yeah. error. Like yeah. that's just such oh, a no excuse for that. Um, no, no. And then my other question is, you know, I said Amari Cooper is he a must play? What about Elijah Moore? Is Elijah Moore a must play going forward? He went nine for nine for forty nine yards. Forty nine yards isn't great on nine targets, but he's seeing very similar volume to Amari Cooper. Granted, Amari Cooper's getting more of the deep balls, obviously, and uh, Moore's working more out of the slot, but are you guys, if you own Elijah Moore, are you playing? Yeah, he, PPR, he's more matchup sure, dependent. Him in my mm. He's more matchup dependent for me, but I'm not afraid to play him, that's for sure. I mean, the workload is elite, so I'm, I'm happy throwing him in there if the matchup calls for it. Okay. Uh, and then the waiver wire darling of, of uh, last week, Jerome Ford, he scored twice. He looked great. 10 rushes for 18 yards, two catches for 33. If you played him, you're happy that you did. But I, I'm genuinely curious. So, and in, in, I'll say this as well. Nick Chubb, I don't know how this happened. He, something, he must drink a lot of milk. He's got them strong bones because uh, somehow he only sustained an MCL tear. And he, there is a good chance that he, it is a nine month injury. He could possibly be back for next year. My question to you boys is the first question, will Nick Chubb come back and play next year? And I know that neither of you are doctors, but I'm just curious to your opinion on that. And my follow-up question being, did Jerome Ford have success this week? And can we, obviously he did, but can we continue to expect that success? Or do we think Kareem Hunt's going to be involved here? I'm staying away from the backfield. Um, Jerome Ford obviously had the two touchdowns, but you take those away and it, it is abysmal. And he only saw 10 touches. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of mix and match going on in the running back room in this game. Um, you can't expect from what we've seen in the first three weeks, it's difficult to expect the Browns to look like this each and every week. And they have to look like this for Jerome Ford with that workload to be useful for fantasy because they have to be in scoring position. Otherwise he was useless. So I am not comfortably starting them um, unless they're playing a terrible run. If they play the bears, I maybe I'd consider it, but I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. I think for me, it's Nick Chubb in general, even though he might come back, this is his second major knee, like knee injury to that specific knee. So I don't even know how it's going to hold up or respond to everything. And the backfield in particular, Jerome Ford, yeah, he scored twice. I just, he didn't seem super effective outside of sneaking those touchdowns in there and getting those. So it was kind of like 
it worked this week. I don't know if that's sustainable. And everybody that blew their free their all their budget on him, you kind of cross your fingers that he keeps getting those sneaky touchdowns every now and again. Sure. Um, next game, Atlanta versus Detroit Lions, baby. Dan Campbell rolls 20 to 3 on this one. Deshaun and Algier were bottled up because they have absolutely no threat in the passing game. I think that's kind of the, the story here. Um, the Lions defense is really good. They held Atlanta to under 200 total yards. So golf also has looked very well. But I think really the, the, the point of conversation here, gentlemen, is Jameer Gibbs finally got some usage. He got 17 carries for 80 yards. So pretty exciting for Gibby owners out there. And are you still starting him? you comfortable starting him at this point? <laughs> uh, speaking personally, where I drafted him, I pretty much have to start him because I don't have any other viable options. Um, so it is encouraging. You know, you hope that even when uh, Montgomery comes back, that the workload stays this high. If he found the end zone in this game, then it was a stellar week for him. But the the volume was there. The efficiency was there. Just needs to find the end zone, and he's, he's a great play. So you're just crossing your fingers at this point if you're a Gibbs owner. Okay. Uh, next game, Packers versus... New Orleans Packers win this game 18 to 17. The running game for the Saints was not good. The running game for the Saints was not Kendra Miller. Like I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that was what was going to happen because they're kind of low on running backs. They're running out of running backs. But Alvin Kamara is set to return from his suspension next week. So good news for Saints fans as well as those that drafted Alvin Kamara because they desperately need some help there. Um, it's laser Jameis season. So my question is, is how do we feel about our, our fantasy lineups with Michael Thomas, with Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara is probably going to be a must start with how, how difficult it is for running backs. But like, do you, do you trust starting Michael Thomas and Olave with laser Jameis out there or do they get a slight downgrade? What are we thinking? Um, my thought is I don't see the fantasy output being all that much different for those guys. I, I think it's going to stay relatively consistent. And the reason for that is laser Jameis, where he, where he misses, uh, you know, with obviously throwing interceptions and liking to turn the ball over and being a little careless. Uh, he makes up for that by wanting to take those deep shots. So you're going to have the opportunity for the boom plays with all of the pass catchers in this offense with Jameis behind center. I think from a fantasy perspective, Laser Jameis is a great quarterback. As, you know, I'm not saying start Laser Jameis because he might throw a couple interceptions, but he will. Uh, as as far as the as far as the boom potential for the uh, pass catchers here, I am uh, just fine starting them with uh, Jameis behind center. Okay, Alan, are you agree with that? You're not in your head. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think Jameis. You know. I don't really care if he throws picks every now and again because I know he's at least going to give my wide receiver targets their their looks and they have opportunity to make those big plays. So he's going to, I mean, he's going to turn the ball over more, I think, because he takes some more of those risks. But I think uh, the flip side is he's going to give some more looks to um, Olave and, and Michael Thomas downfield, just like just like uh, Scotty said. So I, I would comfortably still start them because they're still going to want to air it out. Okay. Um. This game's interesting, fellas. It's the Houston's versus the Jags game. Texans win this game 37 to 17. So I'm I'm curious, is Houston good or is Jaguar and the Jaguars are bad? Is that like or is it just the Texans, maybe the Jaguars wrote them off and now they got their pecker smacked? I mean, this <laughs> CJ Stroud looked good. He did, I mean, he did. Yeah. He went 20 for 30, 280 yards and two touchdowns. The Texans are not afraid to let C.J. Stout throw the ball. 
I think I think at this point we can all very comfortably see that we know that CJ Stroud is going to throw the ball. And I'm actually if you are a Texans fan, you have to be pretty excited about this right now because your offense is doing pretty dang well. Tank Dell was a wide receiver flavor of the week. It was not Nico Collins. But regardless, that offense is actually it's starting to show some signs of life. And it's it's got to be refreshing for Texans fans. Yeah, I put a show note in there um, about <clears throat> should we look at their skill guys a little bit more seriously because of this output? Like he is producing uh, at a high clip talking about CJ Stroud and he joins Herbert and Cam Newton as only the third quarterback to throw for at least 900 yards in his first three starts, which is pretty stellar company. I would say for a quarterback that I think a lot of people were like, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Is it Richardson? Is it Bryce Young? Is it Bryce? Is it going to be CJ Stroud? And I think he's kind of comfortably put himself forward right at least right now as probably the most complete quarterback, um, especially when you look at a lot of their targets, which I think we were all kind of downgrading the Texans skill players because we're like, it's a rookie quarterback. I don't think he's going to do well. And I think out of all three, I think he's proven that he can get them the ball. Well, and the thing, it's not so great for fantasy um, because what we've seen for the first three weeks is that CJ Stroud is able to spread the ball around. So from a fantasy perspective, that can make it a little frustrating because there's not an alpha on this offense in terms of pass catchers. So there's not somebody that you can rely on each and every week. It looked like it was going to be Nico Collins, then Tank Dell made an appearance. Uh, but what's really impressive is that CJ Stroud spread the ball out to eight different pass catchers this game, and they scored a lot of points. Like They were able to move the ball well, and they're doing that with a bunch of wide receiver twos, essentially, on this team. So that's something that uh, you know we, we've given high praise to Patrick Mahomes for being able to pull off. And CJ Stroud's doing it right now, which is which is really impressive. No, and you said that, and it made me. It, my first thought was Patrick Mahomes kind of doing the same thing. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is not relying on a singular person. Obviously, Kelsey is his his favorite, but that he's still spreading the ball out to a lot of different people. And you said that, and I was like, good things I think are to come for the Texans. I really do, and and I'm I'm excited for them. I'm happy for them, and uh, and CJ Stroud doesn't look bad. I have a question for you guys. Between all the rookies. And I'm going to throw Brock Purdy and Jordan Love in there. I don't think it's probably fair to do that, but I'm going to throw them in as rookies this year. If you, if for the Chiefs, if you had to pick, let's say Patrick Mahomes was non-existent, who would you want as your starting quarterback between all the rookies this year? So you got Stroud, Young, Richardson, <clears throat> and I'll say Love because Purdy he went to the playoffs, so I'll, we'll we'll take Purdy out and we'll say Love. So like between those four guys, just rank them as far as what you'd want for your your franchise quarterback. Mm. This is interesting. Alan, I want you, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Do you? Uh, I think, I think I like what love's doing. I think it's inflated a little bit. I think the Packers only won that game because Derek Carr went out. I don't think it was because love all of a sudden started lighting it up. He missed some plot. He missed, missed some guys that were wide open. Um, I think through the first half, he hadn't even completed a pass over 20 yards all season in the air through the, that had air yards of 20. Um, I still would put Stroud one more so I don't know enough about it. So there's some cautious optimism for me and the fact that he played at Ohio State where he had some legit playmakers and was getting them the ball. So I think he knows how to get those players the ball. Um, he's played in that system. I generally shy away from Ohio State, but I would put him at one. I honestly would probably put Purdy at two because, as you know, quarterback is about took protecting the football. Oh, Purdy's you took out. Purdy out. Purdy's yeah, out. He went to the okay. playoffs, so I took him out. Sorry. Okay. Um, then the rest, I don't really care. I would put Stroud at one, and then the rest, I'm kind of not as excited about any of them. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think it would be a tough battle between Stroud and Jordan Love. Jordan Love looks like, you know, granted, he's older. He's got more experience actually in an NFL system, though he hasn't played that much. He's been practicing with them, but he just looks poised. Whereas Stroud, you can tell he's a rookie when he's back there. He looks, you know, he's getting the job done, but he just looks a little bit uncomfortable. Whereas Jordan Love kind of looks like a veteran stepping into that role. So I think I'd probably go Jordan Love for that reason, but that may change by the end of the season if uh, if Stroud continues to light it up. Sure. Uh, the other thing that I just want to touch on in this game is, is there some is there some panic in Florida? Like, truthfully, like is the, the Jaguars, who were a good team last year, they were making a lot of postseason hype have not looked great. Dougie P. I don't know if he, he's just not getting it done. I mean, what do you hit the panic button for the are the Jaguars hitting the panic button? Are they pretty concerned here with what they're they're not seeing <laughs> this week really threw off my theory from last week where I said on uh, Monday night's episode that they just needed to get ETN more involved and establish that run game. And then the offense would kind of unlock. They hadn't really done that yet. And ETN got a lot of work this time and they still were unable to unlock the offense. They're averaging fewer points than the Broncos through the first three weeks, which is a very scary oh, stat. That's, tough to do. <laughs> that's a very that's scary stat. Uh, I think they're averaging like 16 and a half points per game through three weeks. So it's yeah. uh it's a tough look for Jacksonville so far. They if, it's yeah. Go ahead. If I'm a Jacksonville fan, I'm going to say you're a game out of first place right now in your division. You have the Colts, Texans and Titans still in your division. Everything's up for grabs. I wouldn't panic. I would definitely be concerned because you're not scoring enough points. Like the offense, there's something still off about this offense. And I thought we'd, they'd be further along with using some more of their skill players. I think Ridley also leads the league in drops, which is not very helpful. I think over the last two weeks, I think he's dropped like two or three touchdown passes, which those could be very, very helpful. When you talk about some of these sure. games they were playing in, we'd look at it in a totally different light. I would, I would be... I would be nervous, but I wouldn't hit any panic buttons, especially in that division, because God knows what's going to happen. Do you think Trevor Lawrence, if he got a haircut, things might be different? That's my strategy in general. I think people are faster if they just cut their hair. So it's much like wearing a swimmer's cap. Like if you cut your yeah. hair, I think you're just generally faster. That was kind of my problem with uh, Ezekiel Elliott this whole time was I thought he was slowed down because his hair was too long. So, <laughs> yes. I, I, okay. So he needs a haircut. Which I've been saying for a while, so I'm on board with the ha the haircut thing. Uh, this game, boys, you want to talk about an absolute dumpster fire? Let's talk about Sean Payton getting his ass smacked by the Dolphins, seventy to twenty. Dolphins win this game. This is rough, dude. This is so rough. And before we get into all the analytics and everything, I just want to talk very briefly. Um, Sean Payton, I think it was in twenty nineteen maybe a little bit later than that. It, it, Sean Payton, when he was still in the league, had said something along the lines of Tua's not good. Teddy Bridgewater will take over for Tua by the end of the season. Mm. So I think Tua probably remembered that and came in and was like, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to bend you over and show you exactly nice. what we can do. Speed kills, baby. I mean, the <laughs> Dolphins win this game 70 to 20. Dolphins have scored 130 points in the first three weeks of the NFL it's the second most in NFL history right behind the 2013 Colts. So like I, uh, we've already talked about Devin a chain. We've talked about Raheem Mostert. They both did great. They did this without Jalen Waddle too. their, their wide receiver one yeah. with an asterisk mark. Like, I, I mean, Tyree kills obviously there and he did wonderful. I don't know what I don't even know what you do if you're Denver. Like I, I truthfully, I have no freaking clue what you do because you just got 
absolutely, I don't even want to say embarrassed because it's worse than that. It is a disaster. So what do you, I mean, what were you guys' thoughts on this game? Because I was just blown away. Uh, watching it live, it was quite amazing to see them keep scoring. I kind of had the picture in picture going and it was like, I had the Vikings chargers, which I thought was going to be a good game. And it was. And then I was also as interested to see how many times the dolphins were just going to keep scoring. <laughs> and it was like demoralizing It's I almost felt bad, but I didn't cause I hate the Broncos. So I didn't feel bad at all. It felt great. Um, I was just more, it was just a very, everybody was dialed in. McDaniels was dialed in. They were getting everybody involved. Everybody looked like they were pissed off. Everybody was playing hard. I thought it was just unreal. The stat I pulled out of this game, it was circulating on the Twitterverse or the Xverse, was if you started only Dolphins players this week, and you would have scored 203 fantasy points if you just started just Dolphins. That's it. Like You would have murdered everybody if you started just Dolphins. Like, I don't think people understand the the ass kicking that this was the other stat I pulled out was the dolphins total yards. This game was 726. The jets total yards. This season is 675. They were up and down the field. Like it was, it was disgusting to watch. Well, and let me, let me just air my grievances here because in uh, one of my leagues and actually my biggest money league that I love my team in, um, I finished with the second highest points in the league. And the person that I played is a Dolphins fan. Mm. I finished with the second highest points in the league by, I think, 30 points is the next person behind me. And I lost this game by almost 100 points because they started started (laughs) A-Chain and Mostert, which before the game, I'm like, this is very stupid. Why would you do that? Of course, they had Tyreek Hill. Like, this person (laughs) is just a Dolphins fan more than fantasy football. And dear God, did it destroy me. Yeah, no, you you got destroyed, and I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I, I got a couple questions here uh, on this. So, Dolphins running back room. I think I think we just need to touch on this. Rohi Mostert obviously is their their running back one, but Devin A Chain. I'm gonna call, keep calling him A Chain or A Chain. Mm. I think A Chain's just kind of lame. So A Chain sounds cooler. I'm gonna keep doing it. I know that's not his name, but look at Travis Kelsey. I mean. They say their last name is Kels, but everyone's been calling him Kelsey, so they just rolled with it. That's so true. I think the Devin A chain just needs to suck it up, and it's a cooler name. Like Kelsey is cooler than Kels. really good. That's actually a really good point. I'll allow it. We'll keep going. A chain. Okay, thank you. Uh, okay, so Devin A chain. He's the running back. I would say at this point he's the running back too. And Jeff Wilson kind of was the running back too. But Devin A chain, he was. He's a rookie running back. I think he certainly proved that he is a very capable running back. But my question is, can you trust it going forward, or was this just such a big blowout that they didn't want to put too much, you know, lose too much tread on Raheem Mostert, so they took him out? Like, where do you is Devin A chain a, a a viable start going forward, or is he just somebody that was more of a flavor of the week in a blowout game? He's someone I'm looking to acquire, um, and I've, I've, I was high on him in the preseason, so I have him in several leagues. Um, but the thing is, is that Mostert and Wilson, we know their injury history. And if the cards fall correctly, Devon A-Chain is a must-start. Uh, he's, he fits right into this offense. Same thing we said in the preseason is that he's got track star speed. That's exactly what they're looking for in Miami. He fits right in. He's young. I think they're trying to get his feet wet, but ultimately this is going to be his backfield in the future. And it's just a matter of injury concerns as to how soon that actually takes place. Do you think that perhaps John Taylor's still on the table? 
for um, dynasty I'm, players out there that are, are like looking at buying Devin a chain. Do you think that potentially Jonathan Taylor could be there next year in Miami? Yes. I mean, I guess there's a chance, but with what they have with the, I mean, the thing about the, the thing about Miami too, is that they haven't really had a bell cow. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to backfill some of this RB talent, but they have so much talent everywhere. I, they're not going to want to spend big money on a running back. And so if if they can't come to a, a compromise in terms of contract, which I wouldn't put that past JT at this point, I think he's so pissed off, he would take less money to go somewhere else for a longer contract. I think I th- actually think he would do that just to say fuck it to the Colts. Um, but ultimately, I don't see it being extremely likely because they just have so many weapons everywhere. There's not really a need for them to spend big in that position. I just bring this up because this is one week of of proof on a on a defense that really isn't playing that well. So, uh, I mean, obviously with a 70 to 20 score, you're you're not playing that well. Right. So I, I just I don't want people to go out there and spend like two first round picks on Devin A. Chain or something crazy like that, because I think there is a potential. I'm not going to say it's likely, but we do know that the Dolphins have floated around with trying to find like a, a top tier running back in the running back market. So I just, I just bring that up as just a, a, a question and, and perhaps something to chew on before all of those uh, dynasty players go out there and try and spend big on this guy. Uh, next game, the game of the week for most people, we put out a, a Twitter poll on our leather brains account, and this was the game that most people were excited for. It is the chargers versus the Vikings. The chargers win this game 28 to 24. And I see a lot of people pissed off at Kirk cousins. I see. <laughs> I've seen a lot of hate for Kirk chains recently. So Herbert, he sets the completion percentage record against the Vikings in a game that appeared that neither team really wanted to win. And Keenan Allen, I mean, he is the story here. He went 18 for 20. This dude saw 20 freaking targets, and he caught 90% of them. Absolutely insane. He also threw a touchdown just because he wanted to, and he's Keenan Allen, and he can. Uh, but the, the the main storyline here, of course, that we touched about earlier is Mike Williams. He tore his ACL, so he's out for the season. Very tough to see. Um, I, we don't root for injury here, but I, I want to say this. We told you so. Um, <laughs> I mean, we did. We, we've been saying this all off season and going into the season. We, we've told everybody it's very hard for these, these two wide receivers to continue to stay healthy. We saw it last season. This is why they drafted Quentin Johnson. It's a tall tale sign that these receivers are aging and struggling to stay healthy. So just be cautious of this. It took you three weeks and here you are. So I and I I root for Mike Williams, a a speedy recovery. I don't root for injury, but I say this as we kind of expected somebody to get hurt. And unfortunately, it was Mike Williams. So, but Kirk O'Chains, I want to talk about him very quickly. He's not bad. He is not a bad quarterback, but everybody seems to talk so much shit on him. And I just don't understand it. I really don't. Well, in this game, it's clear why. I have a feeling Alan's about to talk about it, but in in this game, he when the when the game was coming down to the wire, he like forgot that he could spike the ball for some reason to stop the clock. Like it was it was a big blunder on on his part, which is why he's getting so much hate. But at the end of the day, through three weeks, he's playing like a like a superstar quarterback. Like you, the Vikings can't be mad about the play from him. Obviously, you know we saw it last year that they were just in so many one score games, and they came out on the winning side of all of those one score games. And it just hasn't worked that way through the first three weeks. But they're right there, and their quarterback is playing like a quarterback that's ten years younger than him. So I, I don't think they could be too upset with his play. Yeah, same. I, I watching this game. 
it's not Kirk. It's that O line. There was a lot where he just couldn't. He just didn't have time to do it. So I guess if you're wanting to give the Minnesota contingency any kind of credit is that maybe they get a little bit more mobile knowing that their line isn't good. Maybe that's their thought process. Like, I think it's always you also are jealous of things you don't have. And I think if you look around the league, you have a lot of quarterbacks that can scramble and make plays down the field if things aren't perfect. And right now for the Vikings, things just aren't perfect up front for them. I think we're seeing that with Madison where he's catching some heat with not being able to run the ball, which he ran much better today. There are this week, but Kirk just didn't have any, any time. I think the problem that Kirk has is that he's an aging quarterback. He's not very mobile and he doesn't have a long-term deal in Minnesota. And I think people are just ready to move on and see what the next thing is. But I would just caution Vikings fans, be careful what you wish for, because yes. even looking ahead to Caleb Williams, I've watched a few of, I've watched the last two USC games just to see, because I think we see all the highlights. I'm not sold on Caleb Williams. He's a little short. He kind of, he misses the easy throws. Yes, he can scramble and make like the magical throws that we all know and love. And like, I think that gets the highlight reel, but like, just be very cautious. I would just say for any team that's like, we're going to tank and get this one guy. It's very few and far between that. That quarterback is like, oh yeah, he's the savior. He's going to do this. Even I remember when the chiefs were terrible, when Andrew Luck was coming out of Stanford, there was jerseys at the games that said suck for luck. And it's like, yeah, he actually, he actually turned out to be pretty good. But even that it was like a short window. Like he didn't really do much for them other yeah. than he had a lot of potential. So just, I would cautious, I would caution the Vikings fans. I don't think Kirk is necessarily the issue. I think it's more of because the line is so bad, they probably could use a little bit more mobility and playmaking after the fact. But my, my other question is, can you not point to the other side of the ball? Like, you, yeah. you know, you, what you guys, I think it was Scotty that just mentioned this a moment ago. You're always in one score games, right? And and that was the same narrative that they were in last year. And it, like you mentioned, Scotty, they won those games. But when you're in a one score game every single week and it becomes a, an offensive shootout, who has risen to the occasion? It has been Kirk Cousins last year, anyway, every single time. So to sit there and get pissed off at Kirk Cousins, maybe you need to look at your defense and say, why are we always in these one score games? Mm -hmm. Because if we actually get our offense a little bit of, of a cushion here, we're going to win. But when, when everything comes down to the wire and you're relying on Kirk Cousins to do every single thing every time, I don't think that's a, a fair narrative to throw on him and say he's not good enough. Because I think he is, and he's he's proving it. It's just your defense is dog shit and now Kirk Cousins gets the blame because somebody has to take it and you can't sit there and point at one defensive person you know what I mean so that's that's how I look at it and and my follow-up question to this or I guess I really didn't ask a question it was more of a rant but I have a question because I see I'm seeing it float around on x or twitter or whatever you want to call it I'm seeing people say the Vikings should start entering tank tank mode and start tanking for a Caleb Williams or one of the, the rookie quarterbacks that's upcoming and trade Kirk Cousins to somewhere like the Jets. I have my own thoughts, but I, I'm going to ask you guys first, is it viable? Is it something that the, the Jets should look at doing? And do we think it'll actually happen? <laughs> I think the Jets would love to. <laughs> it's the question of whether Minnesota wants to do that. And the thing is, is Minnesota's in a tough spot. They're kind of right in that range where you can, you, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if they won any game that they played. 
Um, but you also wouldn't be surprised if their defense gave up 40 points. And it, it's just, it seems like they're like one or two pieces away from being real competitive. And that's with Kirk Cousins behind center. So if I'm the GM in Minnesota, you know, I'm looking at everything that we just mentioned. I'm looking at the defense. I'm looking at the offensive line because this is a couple pieces away from being a real competitive team. They just don't quite have it right there. And I don't, you know, maybe if they lose a few more in a row and, you know, they start out as, you know, they, they, they piss their playoff chances away early at that point in time, maybe they start entertaining it. But ultimately I think their, their qualms are with other positions, not with their quarterback. Alan, do you agree with that? I do. I do to an extent. I think if I'm a Vikings front office, what I do now is I sell the future. Um, I think what you're nervous about right now is if you continue down this path, do you piss off Justin Jefferson? Does he demand something? If it's obvious you're not willing to invest in the offense or you're looking to improve the team, if you stay with Kirk and you win a few more games and you're out of the top tier quarterbacks, now what do you do in the offseason? So I get it from both angles. I also think Kirk's going to walk at the end of the season anyway. So I think if you have the opportunity to trade him somewhere to get some more, uh, to get some additional pieces or picks, you do it. Um, knowing that he's going to walk, especially if this year is kind of already a wash, like if you you know it's not going to happen, and then you sell to your fans and you sell to Jefferson, hey, we're going to go get one of these top quarterbacks. Like we're going to go do this for you, and you keep him happy as long as you can because you don't want to have a repeat of digs where you know he wants out. And so, I think that's what I'm looking at if I'm the if I'm the front office for the Vikings. I want to keep everybody happy and I want to sell the future, and you can't do that right now with Kirk. And so I would totally understand if they moved. I'd be interested, like, because there's a lot of moving pieces in this entire storyline, right? Justin Jefferson is still on his rookie contract, and next year will be the last year of his rookie contract. So eventually you're going to, obviously, they want to try and pay him and get him to stay around. Now, whether he wants to or not is obviously going to be dictated by his his thoughts and opinions on the organization. But he is going to, they're going to have to pay him a, a very, very handsome amount of money to keep him around. So you have that lingering over you. You have Jordan Addison, who is a very good looking young rookie wide receiver. So you're not going to have to pay him for a little while. But then what do you do at quarterback? What what quarterback is going to be it, get you in a better ch- opportunity to win? You know, at, a, at the price point, right? You have somebody like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a, a very expensive quarterback he's one that potentially depending upon how the cardinals go this year maybe he's a trade target for you but they're not the cardinals are not going to let him go for cheap and then you're going to have to take his salary along with that kirk cousins is a good quarterback and this is the last year in his contract so maybe they sign him to another two-year deal and just see if they can get it done with him i don't know but he's going to be a lot cheaper than some of your in their prime type quarterbacks that like a kyler murray or I don't even know what other quarterbacks would be half decent that are on the market. I mean, there isn't a lot when you really start to think about it. Daniel Jones, not great. And he just got a shit ton of money because the quarterback market right now is just not in a good situation. So Kirk Cousins, I think, is kind of has some leverage here going into next season because he he is a good quarterback. He just has, as you mentioned, Alan, a shitty O-line and the defense is really bad. So... Mm. That, that's how I look at this situation. I'm, I'm interested to see how things progress for the Vikings. And I, I, I want the Vikings to succeed because it's more fun when Justin Jefferson's putting up a shit ton of points. And I think if you take Kirk Cousins away from that, that offense looks a hell of a lot different in a, in a worse way. So next game, we got the Jets versus the Patriots. It's gross. Who cares? Um, can we just move on, Scotty? <laughs> nope. But before we get into that, uh, which is really important, um, 
I want to throw out a name that I've seen a couple places, but it doesn't really seem to be dominating the headlines. Obviously, the narrative around the Jets is what the fuck do they do at quarterback? Do they buy in with Zach Wilson, which nobody wants, or do they try and acquire somebody else? And there have been a lot of names thrown around. Kirk Cousins, one of them, obviously. But uh, there's somebody that is currently not on an NFL roster that has proven through his career that he can be a viable asset, and his name is Nick Foles. And oh, I would be gross. really interested to see if Zach will, because nobody's going to be worse than Zach Wilson is right now. Nick Foles has playoff experience, has a Super Bowl ring. He's someone that can come in and actually do well. And right now with the weapons on this Jets team and the defense as good as it is, they just need someone who isn't fucking terrible to Jacoby be their quarterback Brissette. and be uh, competitive. I'm a big fan of Jacoby Brissett as well. I would I would be all on board with that. I think Jacoby Brissett would certainly be an upgrade and somebody that could actually maybe get them a good put them in a good position to win some games. Zach Wilson isn't it. I mean, I we knew that last year. And I think we thought that with the mentorship of Aaron Rodgers, things were going to be different. And it, it wasn't. He looked terrible. And he continues to look terrible. And this offense continues to look terrible because Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. Zach Wilson has forever solidified himself as a backup quarterback. And it's just unfortunate that we have to we have to watch him play football with all these other good players because he's dog shit. <laughs> I know I mean, he's he ruining is. fantasy. He's ruining he it is. for all of us. He is. And you know, Zach Ertz ruined it for me this week. Uh we had a bet last Wednesday that uh I thought that Zach Ertz would finish higher in fantasy football than than Hunter Henry. Turns out, Scotty, neither of them were great. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Um three point seven points, but the deal was I owe you <laughs> a sincere compliment. So I'm going to say this, <clears throat> Scotty, I admire your thick, juicy mustache on the top mm. of your lip. I think it looks wonderful. And for anybody that is not looking, they should probably tune in live and or go watch the recap on YouTube because your mustache is one of the most genuinely sexy looking mustaches I've ever seen. God damn. You know, I'm torn between being rock hard and emotionally vulnerable in this moment. So I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you saying that and yeah. uh, better days for both tight ends to come. I agree. I agree. It would just, it was unfortunate that it happened to both of us at the same time that there wasn't like a super clear, like I told you, so it was both like, Hey, these guys are both dog shit. So yeah. did you miss the compliment? Alan? Did you, I stepped away for a second. Do you guys just get engaged? What did I just miss? What happened to this podcast? <laughs> I had to I had to pay uh, Scotty a compliment because Hunter Henry finished with a higher uh, fantasy week mm. than Zach Ertz did. I guess that's not good, much. But good a reason as any to get married. So congrats to you too. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to lick all over that mustache. Next game here, your hometown hero Chiefs beat the Chicago Bears forty-one to ten. Yeah. I think the media is really run. Their media is soaking this up. They are loving every second of this because Taylor Swift went to watch Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. I'm over it already. It's been what? it's been a whole day. I'm fucking done. I'm over oh it. Gosh. I'm tired hey. of the. No, 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 no. I said I wanted the I wanted the Chiefs to win this week, and I did, and they did. I I'm a week by week Chiefs fan. It depends on the matchup. <laughs> That's that's where it's at for me. I I will I will root for you guys as long as it's not a team that I am actively like praying for success for. Like the Lions. Like I was happy the Lions beat you guys, but on most weeks I will root for the Chiefs. What I'm tired of is all the Taylor Swift bullshit already. It has nothing to do with football. 
doesn't matter. Why is the press asking Patrick Mahomes, were you nervous with Taylor Swift here today? Patrick Mahomes doesn't give a fuck. He's out there fucking slinging balls. He doesn't care who Travis Kelsey's flavor of the week is. He's playing football. He's a married man with two kids. Why in the hell does he care if Taylor Swift is up there? She doesn't even know anything about football, probably. <laughs> That's my take. She noticed uh, when he caught a touchdown, so she knows that. That's good. Yeah, because yeah. she sees him with a ball in his hands in the end zone. and then she, like, she knows. Can you imagine? There's a couple things that I thought about this entire weekend, and I thought of so many just dark, evil things in my head. First and foremost, what a fucking life that Donna Kelsey lives. Like, think about what a cool-ass <laughs> life this woman lives. Because she was just a normal woman. I think she was like a bookkeeper or some shit. And then she has two children that are both NFL studs who become famous superstars and have a super successful podcast and then a documentary about one son and then the other son is so happy to be dating a 12-time Grammy award winner and she's sitting next to her in the fucking press box. That's like she's Kudos almost got Donna Kelsey. She's almost got the triple crown if she can get Taylor mm-hmm. Swift as a daughter-in-law. Like think about that. Agreed. Think about those three yeah. like amazing. Good for her. Good for them. The, the only thing to yeah. know I had was that Kelsey had 69 receiving yards today on the dot. <laughs> so that's not foreshadowing. I don't know what was. So good. Go for zoom into the picture of her and look at her knee. Yeah. Oh, God. Travis Kelsey's yeah. already working her. Yeah. She's, oh, God. She's got I just some think more that wounds. There's a, there's, a cold, <laughs> there's a cold war brewing between Chiefs Kingdom and the Swifties because everyone knows the Swifties will defend Taylor Swift till the end. And Chiefs Kingdom... They're they're not too keen on letting people break the heart of uh, old Travis Kelsey. So I think we're about to see no. a bloodbath if this doesn't work out. I agree completely. And it scares the shit like I, <laughs> I'm not I, I truthfully I root for the Chiefs' success most times like I you guys give me a lot of shit and you say I'm a Chiefs hater. I'm not. And it would absolutely break my heart if when this doesn't work out because it probably doesn't because it never does with Taylor Swift. And then she writes six songs about him and then all the Swifties for for I don't understand why Taylor Swift is so beloved, but all the Swifties come out and they defend her. And then it's a fucking bloodbath between Travis Kelsey because all the Chiefs fans and everybody loves Travis Kelsey. And then this woman is just going to destroy him and it's going to be a war. And I don't want to see that for either party. So just amicably say it was a fun little time we had and fucking move on. So none Uh, of us have to deal with it. I I equate Taylor Swift and the fandom behind her to those uh, Stanley water cups. Like you don't know why you like them so much and you're just like loyal to them and you keep buying them and you're not really, it's not really the best cup out there, but now you're just, you're just locked in. You're just locked in. So she's like the Stanley cups of artists. Um, The only question I had, I had a buddy text me during the game and said, when would be the best time for them to break up? And my answer was like right before the playoffs. That way he's super pissed going into playoff time. That's probably like the best time to do it. I think for Chiefs fans, if they're going to break up. Yeah, I think for I Chiefs fans, this is a win-win situation because either they get married and live heavily, uh, happily ever after and we're happy for him, or they break up and either Travis Kelsey goes off and we can say, thanks, Taylor Swift, or they lose in the playoffs or whatever and they disappoint. And then we say it's Taylor Swift's fault and I'll never have to listen to her ever again because I have a viable reason not to. <laughs> so it's it's a win-win-win kind of situation for me. I'm happy. All right. Well, the Chiefs won this one pretty handily, but I think really the question that I have for you boys is 
are we done with Justin Fields? Like, are we truthfully in in deep down in our hearts done with Justin Fields? Are we throwing him back into the waiver wire where he came from? And are we looking for a new a new dog to take home? Because this is not good looking good, man, at all for the Bears, for Justin Fields. Like, what do we what do you do with him for fantasy? You just cut him and you cut bait and move on? <laughs> it's tough. But one thing I was encouraged about this game is he did he did try and run the ball a little bit more than he has been through the weeks. If he gets that upside back, it's not all lost for fantasy. Um, but he just looks bad. He takes he holds the ball way too long. The he just can't be protected for that long. He's being told that he's not supposed to run the ball, so he's scared to do that. Like it's just, I don't know. It's I'm demoralized with Justin Fields. Yeah, I think it's I, I think Alan? if you're in a if you're in a redraft, you get rid of him. Um, I think it's not there. This okay. team is tanking. There's a lot to not love about everything that they're doing. If you're in a dynasty, you kind of hold on to him and see if he can get a better coaching staff and see what they do because you're not getting any value out of him anyways. Okay. I, I tend to agree. I think in a redraft, you just cut bait and move on because it ain't it. Um, next game, Steelers versus Raiders. Steelers win this one 23-18. Rushing leader from last year, Josh Jacobs. He was the dud of the week for you, Scotty. You hitting the panic button on him. Um, like I said, I was never really that high on him anyway, just for several reasons. Um so I don't have to necessarily deal with it. I think if you drafted him, you probably can't panic on him. You probably just got to hope. I mean, the workload's there. So the upside is there. It's just this offense is so abysmal and it, it's difficult for him to get in scoring position. So he's got to rip off more than eight yard runs if he's, uh, if he's going to be useful for fantasy and we just haven't seen it yet. So uh, for me, you know, if you drafted him, you probably got to keep him in your lineup and just hope that the upside shows itself at some point in time. Okay. Uh, Jim, I'm not going to call him Jimmy G. He hasn't earned his Emmy. He's just Jim. Jim G. He, uh, he sucks. He's terrible. <laughs> He's horrible. But he can support a wide receiver one, or at least he has thus far in Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had a great day going 42.2 PPR points, 13 for 20 for 172 and two. I hate this. I don't think it's fair. I really don't because I think Jim Garoppolo is a fucking terrible quarterback, but he's playing with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So I, I think that's and not only the best wide receiver, but Devontae Adams is the best route running wide receiver, which is how he's able to get open because he runs such silky smooth, buttery routes that Jimmy G can hit him. But it just sucks because I think that just helps Jimmy G Jim, excuse me. I think that just helps Jim in his argument that he's like a good quarterback and he's not, he's, he's really, really bad. I think. So that's my only other takeaway on this. You guys have anything else to add on this one? Yeah. I mean, I think we got to talk about Jacoby Myers. Um, he's someone that for whatever reason I've, I've had in a, a couple leagues that I just picked him up kind of late and he's panning out pretty good for a flex option. I mean, if you're struggling there because he's getting a good target share, obviously he missed a one game with a concussion, but through two games that he's played, he's averaging over 80 yards receiving and a touchdown per game. So small sample size, don't expect that level of production to continue, but he's definitely involved in this offense. So I'm curious to know if you guys are comfortable throwing him in your flex spot, you know, they're going to have to throw the ball. To, exactly. they're, they're gonna have to yeah and that was my that was what i was gonna say is they're gonna have to throw the ball because they're playing down 
the majority of the time. So they're going to throw the ball. So I, yeah, I like Myers as a flex option. Unfortunately, it's, it's disgusting. I don't really, like I said, I don't like Jim and I'm, I'm a Jim hater, but he is, the, he is the most handsome oh, guy in the NFL. Jim. I love it. I hate him. You love him. Yeah. He sucks and he plays for the Raiders. So I love him. Okay, <laughs> no, I, that's fair. No, I like Myers as a flex option. I, I I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, Last game here, uh, Carolina versus Seahawks. Seahawks win this game 37-27. to 27. Um, I don't really have a lot to talk about, to be honest with you. That's just the game. That's the score. Um, nothing crazy here. If you own Kenneth Walker, congratulations. Uh, he did pretty good. Um, all right, waivers, and then we are getting the hell out of here. Let's talk about the waiver wire ads and targets this week. This is important for anybody that plays fantasy football. Make sure to listen. Take some notes. Maybe go check your app right now and see if these people are available because who we are about to say could have very fruitful impacts for you for fantasy football. So the first person, Devin A. Chain, running back for the Dolphins. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He is currently 47% rostered. There's a chance he's sitting on your waiver wire. He exploded onto the scene. He got you 49 fantasy points in one singular week of play, making him the RB5 on the season, which is absolutely insane. Do you spend a lot of fab on him? It's my question to you two gentlemen. I, I lean towards no. Uh, but again, I, I have to stress this. I've said it last week too, with the state of the running back situation right now, sometimes dart throws are necessary. So if you are in a situation where you are like, God damn it, I can't start anybody because they're all terrible. Maybe. Um, I think Devon A-Chain certainly showed that he can be useful in this offense. It's just a matter of if, if he's going to get the workload. And again, with the two running backs that are supposedly in front of him and Mostert and Wilson, their injury history is suspect. So I want to, I want a chain on my roster. Um, I'm not going to, you know, sell the farm to get him, but I think that spending a little bit to get him may be a worthy investment. If you need running backs, would you drop him for Jalen? Would you drop Jalen Warren for him? Uh, not yet. I think Jalen Warren is on a similar trajectory where he's going to get more work. Um, obviously I like the dolphins offense more, but there are also a million more weapons. So the odds of him sure. getting the red zone touches are lower. So, and I'm, I'm pretty high on Jalen Warren. I think he looks like a stellar player. He's obviously got the passing down work and he's <laughs> getting, he's seeing the field consistently right now. So I'm keeping Jalen Warren. Yeah. If the, the dolphins plan on scoring 70 points every game, I would agree. Let's go ahead and throw them on there. It's just, <laughs> are those 70 points going to be there every week? I don't think so the competition will ratch up, especially in the, the AFC East. So it's interesting. And I agree if you're desperate, go for it, but just, I, I wouldn't bank on it. Okay. Would you drop Tyler Algier for him? No, maybe, no. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Cause I think Bijan's going to obviously surplant and he's going to at the, towards the end of the year, he's going to take over. The thing you have to think about too, is not week to week. Also look ahead to, playoff matchups when you start looking when you have to absolutely win games like the goal is to get into the playoffs and then the goal is to look at your playoff matchups and so i would just weigh the two and i think algier is going to fade as the season goes on where we don't know about a chain if he's going to pick it up but i think it's worth a dart throw I, i'd be willing to throw more on him because i think the dolphins will be there and they'll need to be still scoring points to fight for either afc east supremacy or playoff seating See, I'd take the opposite approach there. With the two weeks that these guys had, I might look to sell A-Chain for Algier. Uh, and the reason for that is Algier is too good of a back to be uh, to be not used in that offense. And with how many touches go around in Atlanta, 
they're uh, they can't leave Bijan on the field all the time. It's just not going to happen. And Algier's a good back. We were all high on him before they drafted Bijan for a reason. He is an efficient back, and they have a great offensive line. He's going to be useful. And I think even if he sees fewer touches going down the line, I still think he's going to be a usable running back. And there are just too many questions with the with the Dolphins running back room for me to do that. Okay. Um, Tank Dell, another wide or waiver wire ad this week. He's 48% owned and arguably has one of the coolest names in the NFL. Tank Dell is just a badass name. And that's somebody that I just think at the very least is going to boost morale for my shitty fantasy team. So, um, if he's just sitting there, he's going to corral my fantasy roster together and they're all going to look to him for leadership because he's got a cool name. And also he's not bad. Does it worry you that his real name is Nathaniel? Oh, yeah, never mind. I don't know. Now I'm kind of on the other fence of this. Everybody just I did not realize. Pick a freaking name. How pick do you get name Tank out of Nathaniel? I just I just Googled it. So it's, That's bullshit. His first name is Nathaniel. His nickname is Tank. That's bullshit. Well, I mean, he is a Tank. Uh, I'll be honest with you. He uh, He's a good pickup for me. It's another wide receiver that I think should be targeted in fantasy leagues. In the last two weeks, he's seen a 22% target share, which is certainly definitely a flex conversation, if not starting wide receiver two for you. Um, and, and the thing is, is he, obviously, if you don't know who Tank Dell is, he's a wide receiver for the Texans. It was Nico Collins. I think as the season progresses, we're going to see it kind of be like you mentioned, Scotty, where we don't know on a week-to-week basis. But I, I think Tank Dell is still worth a, a grab because when you're starting to see bye weeks and stuff like that, you're going to have to throw someone in there, and he's a, he's a fun own for me. And... I think that, you know, they are showing that CJ Stroud is throwing the ball a lot and they're getting he's comfortable throwing the ball and they're comfortable with him throwing the ball. So I, I want to own some fantasy or I want to own some wide receivers for that team. So are you spending a lot on Tank Dell? Um, not a lot, but he, he's someone that's a feasible add if you've got space on your bench. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult to predict who the wide receiver one on any given week is in this on this team. But Tank Dell, obviously, after this last week, has proven that he's in that conversation. And this is a team that's willing to let their rookie throw the ball, which is always a good sign. Um, but again, just because of the unpredictability of it, I'm not going to be spending a lot. Um, you know, if if anything, uh, you know, five bucks, seven bucks of fab. Would you spend ten? <sighs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Would you spend ten hours? Yeah, I, I said it earlier. I would. I want to own any piece of this offense at this point, just because Stroud's shown the ability to get that ball out and spread it around and get it. So if you're hurting, if you're like week now, we're going into week four, and you're still looking for somebody to fill in that flex. Um, you're kind of rotating between guys, and you're not sure. I think the way that Stroud is progressing is optimistic to say. I want to be a part of this. We said it earlier. He's only one of three quarterbacks to throw for 900 yards in his first three starts. So there's something to that. Um, I think you got to enjoy that. And they're letting him sling it. I would, I want to own a piece of that offense if I'm still looking to, to round out my roster at this point. Okay. So let's, let's look at CJ Stroud then he's 31% owned. And uh, so he's sitting on, there's a very good chance he's sitting on your waiver wire. He's QB 12 on the season. In the last two weeks, he's QB 10. He is certainly a gunslinger like we've been talking about. Would you spend 25 out of $100 on him in, in fab leagues right now? If I, haven't found a re- if I haven't found a replacement, like let's say I'm somebody that drafted Rodgers or sat on QBs late and they're not panning out or a Fields and it's not panning out, I would definitely, if I'm you haven't already. If you haven't would already. Would you drop Fields for CJ Stroud? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it depends on the matchup. I think when you're talking about QB 10, QB 12, 
to QB 15, you're looking at matchups and you're basically streaming at that point in time. I mean, there's a reason why you have people like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes going early and all the other quarterbacks go late. Um, you're hoping for, you know, one of them to just show up and show out. But uh, at the end of the day, I think CJ Stroud could be great in some matchups, depending on the secondary that they're playing or the defensive line that they're playing. But there are all the also other quarterbacks who are perfectly usable in that range, probably sitting on the waiver wire that might have better matchups on a weekly basis. So I think, you know, if, if you've got Justin Fields and you're sick of dealing with it and you want to go into the streaming conversation, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm keeping my eye on the waiver wire each and every week looking at those matchups. Okay. Uh, I just put a note in here. Go pick up Sam Laporta if you haven't already, and he's sitting there. He's 73% owned right now, so there's a, over 25% of leagues he's not currently rostered in. He's tight end two on the season. He is a top-tier own for me. He's a tight end that you need to not only be rostering, but starting on a week-to-week basis. Go get Sam Laporta. My next and last one for you guys, and then I think we have one question here from or a couple questions maybe from the Brainiacs that we'll answer very, very quickly before we get the hell out of here. Um Joshua Palmer and Quentin Johnston. Obviously, Mike Williams is done for the season, which begs the question, what do we do for the wide receivers here? Because obviously, Keenan Allen is number one. Now, Joshua Palmer last year was, at times, the only healthy wide receiver for this team. He has seen a lot more usability this season than Quentin Johnston, who is the rookie that they drafted in the first round this year. If you look at the numbers, Quentin Johnston is 51% rostered, while Joshua Palmer is 5% rostered. Excuse me. So... With Palmer seeing more volume at this juncture, are you picking up either of these guys? And if so, which one are you more interested to own for fantasy football? I'd take either of them at this point. This is an offense that throws the ball at an elite clip. I mean, they're going to be slinging it all over the place. Obviously, Justin Herbert is a perfectly capable passer, uh, and Keenan Allen can't do everything. So, with the Mike Williams injury, I'm taking either of these guys if they're sitting on the waiver wire. Um, as far as who I'm more excited for, obviously Josh Palmer has a lot more experience in the offense, so it stands to reason that until QJ gets a little bit more experience on the field, Palmer's going to be the one who eats, but I think Quentin Johnston is the better talent. I think by the end of the season, you're going to see QJ being the wide receiver two clear cut. Alan, you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I think you go where the action is. There's action in that offense. You go to it. Okay. Quentin Johnson, I mean, he was, uh, we just said in last week's episode, like he was starting to be a cut candidate for us. And you look at it now and the, the situation has trained, changed drastically. This is why you drafted him is to wait for him and see if we can squeeze any juice out of it in the event of an injury. And a week later, this is what you get. So I'm not saying start Quentin Johnson. I wouldn't start Quentin Johnson. I own Quentin Johnson in a lot of leagues, and I'm not I'm not starting him right now. But I'm going to have him sit on my bench. Let's see how Kellen Moore in this offense continues to progress, and let's see if we get him used more and more in this offense because he hasn't gotten more than three targets this entire season in a game. So I, I think early Joshua Palmer, but I think there's an argument to be made that Johnson comes in and starts to really solidify himself in this offense. That's why they drafted this guy. Yep. Um, all right, these quick questions here. Let's get to them. We have a question from, I don't know if I could spell this name. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Saif. Saif. Maybe. Na- I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> trying to butcher your name, but I I, I simply can't pronounce it. Uh, yeah. Should I trade Tank Dell, Gibby, and Dallas Goddard for Josh Jacobs and Garrett Wilson? This is an easy one for me. No. No. I would yeah. not want Garrett Wilson or Josh Jacobs. They're both struggling right now. And Gibby's on the up and up. Tank Dell has looked great. And Goddard is a usable tight end for you. So I think that one's pretty easy. You guys agree? 100%. Yep. Agreed. Okay. 
Next and last question comes from JJ Keats. Should I play Joe Burrow or pick up Matt Stafford? But I have to drop Kenny Gainwell. I'm up four points and I'm playing Joe Mixon. I would do that. I would play. I would. I, would, I think. Yeah, go get I Matt would. Stafford and play him right now before these games start. Do because it because Ken, Kenny G ain't going to do anything for you. That's DeAndre Swift's backfield, and I would not risk attempting to start Joe Burrow and then he doesn't play this week with his injury. He's so. yeah. It sounds like he's going to play. Does it? Bur- Burrow's going to play, but it's still iffy with that calf. He makes one wrong move. He's back sitting back down, and now you're nursing a four-point lead with no quarterback upside. I would just go take Stafford and let him chuck it 50 times. Yeah, especially because I made that exact move in one of my leagues where I, I sat Burrow this week just because I wasn't sure if he was going to play, and I, I have Stafford in the lineup because the upside with Stafford is almost just as good right now. I mean, he's throwing the ball so much, and obviously with Koopa nu- or, uh, Puka Nuka out there doing his thing, Koopa Nuka. The, the, the Stafford upside is too good, and the risk for Burrow is too high, so I agree. All right, I got last question for you boys. Uh, Eagles-Tampa Bay game has just started. Who you got winning? Eagles. Hmm, Tampa Bay. Why not? Okay, it's Eagles. I, that was, I th- that, don't, 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 Alan. I Just think we're going to see Jalen Hurts have one of the best games of his career because they're looking to get that passing game right. The the uh, run defense for Tampa Bay is really good, so you're going to see Jalen Hurts throw for 310 yards and probably rush for a couple touchdowns too. Okay, I had to ask this question because the, I wanted the follow-up question being Rams-Bengals. That's the game I actually was curious on. <laughs> Who wins that game tonight? Bengals. That's a tougher one. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Give me the Bengals. They have Bengals. to have it. They have to have it. I yeah. also agree with you. I think it, they have to have it, so I'm going to take Bengals. Especially if Joe Burrow's in there. They call him Joey Ice for a reason. I think maybe he puts the haters to shame tonight. Well, he's been on ice the last he's, couple yeah, weeks, so let's that, hope that... uh put that calf back on ice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. It's been fun. Let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode... Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.